Hello, Scotty. Hello, Mr. Fox. How are you today? I'm dandy. I feel it is my sworn duty to, to offer my condolences to you. Oh, come on. Let's get it over and done with. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I'm almost done. Wait, wait. Oh, wait, wait. There's still... <laughs> it's... Maybe you need to explain to our, our listeners because you know many of our listeners are from uh, North America and may not have a clue what you're on about because they they may not have across the years realised that you are a pretend Italian. I am definitely a pretend Italian, but I'm also a half Brit, so I was I was somewhat conflicted. Oh, it didn't. But... Your your messages to me didn't seem to have any conflict in at all. No, I well, okay, yes, I was. I hid my self conflict well. <laughs> what, 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 you nice. you oh, you. I... You seem to be to have yeah, uh, <laughs> Italian blood racing through your veins. <sighs> okay, all right, fine. Now it would it was fun. It was fun, but we can't dwell on that because we shouldn't be talking about sports ball and how one team sports harder than another one um, and succeeds in in, in outsporting somebody else. But it was it was interesting and fun to watch. But I do have something. I do have. I have a a, a, a vero, uh, a a an actual guilty conscience, which I need to clear, if I may, before we get too far along. May I do that, Scott? Okay. Well, let's 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 do the John's confession segment. Well, the... <laughs> forgive me, Father. I've sinned. Um, so no, this is an apology to our 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 best friend in the world, Dan Wood, um, because I I refer to him as Mister as Mister Sherlock in our last episode. And while he appreciated the mention of, of his work, he said, gosh, I would really prefer that people, you know, remember me for the work I did, not not the things that Apple copied and harmed me. And, and it is absolutely true. I mean, I, it, it was all kind of, you know, light and friendly and so on and so forth. But it is actually true. It's like, you know, it's, it's easy to make light of this thing. But the reality is you work your ass off building a product and then all of a sudden Apple comes along and, 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 and does this and not once but twice. So... Dan, I'm I'm sorry, and and I want to talk about your product and 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 what an amazing creative software engineer that you are, and and what incredible um, uh, endurance you have as as a not only an engineer but as a, a a a product person. So had to get that off my chest. But you haven't yet mentioned the product. Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, you are so crap at this, aren't you? Yes, Dan. I'll promote your product. I'll apologise. I promote your product. Which which product which product is it? I mean it doesn't matter you're ten years too late I'm fifteen no. years too well, late I'm to re- buy it I'm re- but <laughs> but that's not like you John fifteen years late mm. right on time here we go right on time okay so well, pitch, give us give us a give us your pitch John give us your pitch give us a sales pitch for these products that no longer exist no the original product was Watson and I do remember it being amazing you know it, it absolutely was that that way 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 back when in the early days of the web. And you remember how kind of, you know, stultifying websites could be and, and you just want to get to the information. And this was a graphical web services client. So, for example, if you wanted to find out movie times or or any other specific piece of data that you needed, it was something that could be able to, to you know, extract that from, from a website. Well, 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 before there was structured data for websites. I, yeah, I don't even know when RSS was invented. But it was quite some time you know, before. And it was very, very far thinking, you know, far ahead product. Um, and and it was weird that, that you know, the, the, this product was called Watson and Apple's product was called Sherlock. And, and, and in particular, just in their screen grabs, it was just a Xerox of, 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 of the, 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 you know, um, Dan's product. And then after that, 
there was, you know, uh, there was uh, Sandvox, which is an amazing graphical web tool, you know, website builder, which, you know, unleashed a number of websites to, to mere mortals who otherwise were not able to, to figure out how to, to, to write HTML, let alone the CSS and an eventual JavaScript to add some interactivity in the early days of, of, of the web. And that, you know, along came iWeb. And his current product uh, is Remotion, which is I talked about last time, and absolutely is a product for the times. And I'm sure it will do very well. But I, you know, every little bit of help to to, to draw people's attention to it, I think does does help in this. So, Dan, there you go. I'm somewhat, I feel somewhat absolved. Maybe we should have him on the show again because the thing that I mentioned that I think is really, really important is like it's not enough just to be able to write good code. Like in a way, almost anybody can make a piece of software that compiles and runs with some minimum viable number of, of, of errors um, or whatever, except minimum acceptable number of errors. But it's actually much more difficult to think about a product and to think you know, very, very carefully about how you, you run your company. And one of the things I do remember well, there's there's multiple things I remember about Dan. Um, one is that he is incredibly helpful and, and thoughtful and kind in, in helping everybody with this idea that, you know, I'm an indie and, and you know, uh, if I help somebody else, that, that will certainly help it for, you know, help me in, in, in the long run. He was just very, very selfless in that fashion. Um, and one of the things I was always impressed by is the fact that, you know, he had this incredible software uh, for managing uh, communication with his users. Um, and so there was, you know, the, the, this this mechanism that could send out newsletters and would track, and you had to go through, you know, again, well before there were, were any things that allow people to opt in very easily, he rolled his own. Um, and it would allow you to to kind of say, hey, I register, I'm a customer, I willingly want this communication, and people really enjoyed it because there were always these informative newsletters. And using these newsletters, he would promote other third-party products, um, including Memory Miner, and was very, very kind of him. Um, and the other thing is that he is, well, I have to begin to sound like a eulogy. It's not like he's gone or anything, but I'm making Alas, up. poor Dan. We knew him well. <laughs> no, that's so, oh, my God. And I should consider having coffee before I spout off on, on, on these subjects. But anyway, um, yeah, no, he very, very kind guy, very good software engineer, all around just humanitarian of the universe award goes to him. That's excellent. And I'm glad I'm glad you have restored your relationship with him. <laughs> okay, so next week on iDeveloper Agony, Colin. <laughs> Quiet. John, John will be apologizing for all the wrong things he's done. This oh my week. god. <laughs> that, that, oh, that's that... just a normal show, isn't it? There we are. <laughs> right, okay. So what have you done this week, John? Tell us I mean, okay, other than being, you know, totally insulting last week to, you know, uh, s- someone who is so nice, um what what have you done to, you know, in, in your own life to you know, um, justify you know, my to, to sort of off, off, offset that. A, well, I didn't want to go that far, but to offset that a little. Well, you know, this was another, uh, an, you know, uh, I'd already talked about it before, but, you know, some things shipped, um, which are, are make me happy. So two things. One is I can um, talk about the, 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 the new, you know, dynamic type support in the, in the Netflix app. I actually tweeted about it yesterday. Um, so I can even link to it, but basically that 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 is now out in the universe, and it, it's basically another step forward in respecting people's, you know, dynamic type settings. But I I need to say that that it's more than just adjusting the type size because technically, when you you look at the API, uh, it, it's referred to as preferred content size, 
Um, and that has to do, it, it uses type, uh, typesizing to, to you know, uh, describe it. And in its most obvious implement, you know, in, in its most obvious implementation, it's what size is, does does the type need to be for it to be legible to you? And it's one of those things where there's a scale to to something that's slightly larger than the base font size, and that helps people who who just you know for whom it's more comfortable. But then at the largest sizes, there are a set of accessibility sizes which make the the night and day difference for people who have profound low vision. So that even even though their vision is is very very blurry. At the very, very largest size is if you make the type size uh, available in that way, it makes your app legible. But if you scale the type, you also need to ideally scale the, the graphical elements around it. And up until now, we, we, you know, we've had pretty good support. And, and in the main screen of our app, what we refer to as the Lolomo, the list of list of movies is a grid, is a, you know, a collection view of collection views. So you have rows, which are horizontally, you know, scrollable and the master collection view is vertically scrollable and you know as you might imagine there's a there's a lot of thought that goes into you know what is the ideal size because you only have so much size in the available screen so you have to think about what is visible in the viewport how many rows um horizontally and vertically so um you know there were there were and you can also imagine that we we fetch a lot of images to be able to populate the Lolomo. So there's a, a lot of thought that goes into it in terms of performance about how big the images are and how to scale them properly to make sure that we fetch enough image data to be able to make it work, but not more than is is absolutely needed. So any thought about about enlarging the cell size is is something that's done with with a lot of thought and care. But we finally shipped something um, which allows the actual cell size to to enlarge, um, and that's very very helpful because some of the some of the cells are are pretty um, uh, dense in terms of of what they can do. And one of the good examples is continue watching because not only do we have to show you know reveal what the the the, the image it is uh, referring to the title, but there's also you know the the thing that has the bookmark. It shows you how much of, of, of the title that you've watched and has an info button to be able to, to, you know, show the display page, which will give you the details about that. And, uh, you know, a horizontal, sorry, vertical three dots, which opens up the, the menu, the, the action sheet menu, um, which allows you to do things like remove it from your continue watching row or, you know, download it or do whatever else you want. So, those elements are actually very, very important. So it's not just that you can make the, if you make the cell bigger, it makes it easier to, to, to see, but the, the, you know, you also have to be able to make the, the targets actually scale the buttons and, and those things proportionally. So um, to make it all work, it, it seems very, very simple in some ways that the goal is very, very simple, but to actually implement it and make sure it performs properly and, and adjust properly as we, as the, the user changes the, the type settings and react to that, it is actually fairly complicated. But then the other thing is the whole idea about the fallback text. And so this is a case where um, it's pretty common for an app to, to be able to show, you know, a placeholder text that describes images that's about to load. And so we do do that, but we, we use, had only kind of used it as this, this temporary thing. And in many cases, you'll just never, ever see it. If you have a very fast network, you almost never notice it. If you have a slow network, you'll be looking at it. So we already had that in there, and so the question comes down to is how do you how do you use that that fallback text to be able to help somebody who has profound low vision, but not prevent them from from seeing the image as well? Because that's the other thing. When you talk about people with low vision, you think well, like, are you blind or not? And, and the reality is that there's there's it, it works across uh, you know a range, and different people will have different levels of sight. 
Um, and so that the actual color, the the shape, the the general look of it does convey some images. Uh, it, sorry, does convey some some meaning. So now the tricky thing from a UX perspective is how do you you know how would somebody possibly know that if you long tap, long press on on an image, it will reveal the text. And the answer is, you know, there is some convention for doing it because you can do that on things like tab bar um, items. But I don't think people necessarily know to do that for images. And so part of what, why I'm going on about this is that I think that this is a good solution. I think that this this you know it, this is a common pattern, and I'm hoping that other apps will actually adapt this. And maybe even Apple one day will will have something that that kind of facilitates it in general because this is a common thing about images. It's not just to display it, but you have to deal with the whole life cycle of it. And the nice thing about working on accessibility is that sometimes you can make it work to solve a bunch of different problems, or you can take advantage of work that may have done uh, may have been done to help with with one situation and make it um, and reuse that work for somewhere else. But that's that's my grand thing for today. I, I mean, these things. What always amazes me about these things is, firstly, what I was like about the Netflix app is you're always prepared to do the work it takes to make these things work, mm-hmm. which is good. I mean, that's the, you know, I guess one of the benefits of being part of a, you know, mega mega global company that doesn't quite know just what to do with all its money. Um, <laughs> so you know, pay you to do this stuff is is one of the good things they are uh, they are they are doing with that, and then I guess they make some content as well now and again. Um, <laughs> But, uh, Scotty, it sounds uh, like you're being facetious. Do I need to go back and be mean to you again? Oh, probably you do. Mm. Um, but it's uh, it, it, it's it, it's good. But it, yeah, but then you know this stuff. You know, th- th- there's it's only available for a percentage. But you know, it, it, but it doesn't really matter if it's a not only available. It's available to everybody. Only possibly useful to a percentage. But there we are. It's it. But it's still it's a sign of good software when it tries to work for all its users, uh, regardless of you know. Uh, how they're approaching the software, but by having something there that makes it work. Mm. So well done. Once again, I get a bit bored of saying this, but it does do so well done. Thank you. You know, you know what that is, that background sound? That's your conscience calling you to remind you to be nicer to me. Okay. Yeah, just let me take that. Hello? <laughs> no, fuck off. Um... <laughs> nice try, Scotty. If you were going to do this, you'd have to actually stop the ringing for it to, to make it. But... By the way, did I remind you about the res- what the results of the Euro Cup were? Who won? Who won that match? Who won that final uh, match? Was it was it was you, it Italy or was it was it was it England? See, you you lose all your bitterness when <laughs> yeah you know, when when yeah you you have all this there. It's going to be there, but then like a typical American, you just call it the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's not to the Euro Cup, and uh, therefore we, you know, you can you can be as smug as you like because you know you didn't even know what it was you were talking about. All right, fine. <laughs> there we are. Ah, dear. Talking about not knowing what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, I've been um, uh, dealing with uh, this week in Moneywell. How do you how do you deal with errors in something that's going on in the background? Um, so obviously we're still dealing with Moneywell Sync. And uh, it's uh, goes in the background now. What happens when sync goes wrong, or something doesn't happen? You know, there's there's going to be times when that um, that error is pretty disastrous, and then there's going to be times when that error is pretty meaningless. But this is a this is a background task, which on the whole, the user doesn't really even need to know is going on. Um, so, you know, how do you present that in the UI? Do you, do you really just want things flying up 
in the UI all of a sudden saying this error happened when it may not be, you know, that important, particularly because the, the thing is with, with sync, sometimes it, it didn't work now, but the next time it tries to sync, it will work because it was some environmental issue that it couldn't connect to iCloud or it couldn't do something else. So how much do you really need to to care? But of course, you know, for, uh, unless you're going to start looking at every single error and saying, if the error is this, then we want to do that. If the error is that, we want to do this. You know, that gets a little bit... Hmm, unmanageable is the number of errors go up and then often the errors you get from from especially networking or whatever else are not particularly useful anyway when it comes to the end user so you know how do, how do you how do you design that in and how does that work so that's been a ui challenge um uh we're still trying to identify errors that are real i think errors that mean that your data now has lost integrity we will have to we will we, we will interrupt the ui flow um Hopefully there won't be any of those, but errors that are just means something may or may not have been working. Um, I've gone for more of a, um, you know, just a bit like like you you have the warning triangle in in the uh, the title bar in Xcode that says you've got warnings in your code right now uh, after the last build where we're not using it in the title bar but we have a status bar at the bottom, and um, we've sort of gone for if there's some, something outstanding at the moment or gone wrong that little warning triangle will come up if you click it it will show you what's there. Um, trying to sort of say, well, this may or may not be important in whatever else. So hopefully that will work. But the, the reason I bring this up is actually testing is really, really hard because, um, and, and this is a testimony to the Ensemble's framework and, and, and how it's working and whatever else, but um, I'm finding it virtually impossible to create errors. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> in syncing, which is a good sign. Now, I am sure once we go out to beta in the near future, I'm sure our users will not find it impossible to create errors. <laughs> yes. yeah. I am sure I, I am sure we will be flooded with them uh, I'm immediately. Sure the, the two-step guide for, for creating errors with Moneywell is step, step one, launch the app to experience errors. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. Step three, report error if you have time. Um, so it's... Uh, but that's making so obviously I am, yeah. I I I I've been able to test the UI works by creating dummy errors and triggering things and, and doing whatever else. So testing the UI code is fine, but but knowing whether I am you know fully trapping all the errors at the right time is quite difficult when you when it's it's hard to create. And this is again this sort of networked asynchronous multi-device sort of. Um, set up because you know because um ensembles is a peer-to-peer um effectively a peer-to-peer um syncing system so it there although it does store things in icloud uh is the current place it stores them you know each um it's not like you have a central server and it just gets its data from it you each uh device as it makes changes puts a transaction log on the um uh, into the shared space, and then every other device is responsible for effectively taking the transaction logs from the other devices and applying them back to themselves. So every every device keeps itself up to date, which means you, you're not really uh, on the whole going to get this like your error, your your data. Sorry, and on the server is now wrong. You're going to get the you, you. I guess when things go wrong seriously, um, you end up with different data on different devices. Um, in there now, in theory, that shouldn't really happen if the because. The ensemble should say, "Wait a minute, something's not right here. We're we're not doing this. How do we make this work?" But um, just finding out what Moneywell does when we get into those situations, you know, it's um, I think we are going to have to literally now 
wait until we get out there into a lot more people. So we're sort of building in more of a, okay, so you've had a syncing problem. Press this button and it should send just your sync logs if you're happy with that type of thing. You're on beta. Yeah, you don't have to, so that we can try and work out some of these things. Because actually, um, testing them in um, uh, uh, in in yeah in the sort of the office type of thing is, is turning out to be quite hard. However, I am going off grid uh, for um, three days this weekend. I'm, I'm going camping, and I'll have no electric electric or anything for. Um, uh, so I so I intend on making lots of very complex edits off grid <laughs> to my Manuel data on my iPhone, <laughs> and um, when I get back on uh, on Monday, I will then make lots of complex edits to my uh, Mac version and then reconnect them and see if I can create some uh, some problems. So maybe it's just I've not tried hard enough yet. So only time will tell. This is the best use of vacation time I can imagine. Well, it means it's not really vacation if I'm doing Manuel stuff, doesn't it? So okay. I can yeah I can you know not. Not not use my vacation allowance, although I don't have a vacation allowance, so that's not really a point anyway. Yeah, you know, because but, um, your, your your boss is a complete asshole. I know him. Oh, uh, totally is real dick. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so there we are. So, yeah, it's it's just interesting how you test this stuff, and there's a lot to be said that when you have central data, uh, you know, the, what we used to call in the old days client server um, set up, and then became REST and all the rest of it. You know, there's there's something to be said because at that point you can just you can just scrap your um, uh, scrap the client data and refresh it from from the server. Whereas when you're in peer to peer, that becomes a little harder because there may be data on the peer that's not on the other peers yet, and so things are going wrong for for various reasons. Now we're not too bad on that because right now, um, you know, the the iPhone app is a it it has. It's mainly a, a reader app with a limited set of functionality. So if I'm out and I buy a coffee, I can put it in and make it go against the right budget. So I can add transactions, but you can't do lots of budget setups and all the rest of it you, you can do. So really, are um, from that side of it, you know, you, you, it's it's fairly simple on the iPhone side to, to maybe handle. Whereas if people are syncing Mac to Mac, um, where people can do anything and you can make major changes to your data and what's going on in the structures... Yeah, that's um, yeah, that, that's a little more complex. However, I'm guessing I, I'm not saying this is an excuse, and it must cover when it's not. You know, it's it you're you're offline less often on your laptop than you. Mm, no, maybe that's not true because you can often be offline if you're in a coffee shop with no Wi-Fi or something. Yeah, it's just hard. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I am going to spend two days trying to make it break. And the trouble is, when I can't make it break, I get worried because surely this thing must be breakable. Wow. So we have two potential titles just from that. It's like, let's try to make it break. <laughs> Successfully yes. trying to make things break. What was the other one? If, you know, if you're offline. Surely this thing must be breakable. <laughs> yeah, there, we, there we go. <laughs> so it's, in, yeah, yeah. So um, that's, uh, and it, it's a little frustrating because you can spend quite a long time setting up a situation you think you know you turn the wi-fi off on your phone you turn mobile data off on your phone or you use a different laptop and you disconnect it from the from the um uh from the internet so that you can you know you can try things on this and you do it um you know it's uh yeah it doesn't um it doesn't always seem to to um uh, <laughs> work out the way i think it's going to say surely this is going to break it 
and it doesn't. And obviously, I mean, I think data is less of an issue. Like if two people change the field, say there's a memo on a transaction and I change it on one device and you change it on another device and then you change it on another device. Yeah, that's simple. You just you just have a last change wins policy. Um, you don't really, you know, we, we don't care that you wrote memo one, memo two, memo three in different places. You know, this is one person's set of data. This isn't like, you know, 27 people sharing the company finance this is one person's data um and if you make the change that's the change going to apply and whichever change you made last should be the one that um uh should be the one that uh yeah ends up in there so that's not a problem i think the problem more in like uh relationships where you assign something in a relationship and then on another machine you change that relationship to somewhere else and then maybe you delete part of that relationship somewhere else that's more likely where you're going to get issues but again it's like I'm going to thumbs up to ensembles. It is incredibly robust, um, and you know I've not managed to get it to do something that it, it has to even report as an error yet, let alone anything else. So, if anyone out there knows how to break ensembles, let me know. What a great advertisement for it. it's like software so good that when you in, when you link against it and use it, it it, it makes your software the host software impervious to actual bugs. Yeah. Now, so Ensembles comes with a uh, a book that Drew McCormack, who wrote Ensembles, started writing, but unfortunately never finished. And the um, uh, the the chapter on merge conflicts is got, just got on it to be written. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, maybe this is because he couldn't create them either and just couldn't get around to it. Or maybe if that chapter had been written, I'd have a better idea. But um, yeah, there we go. What what can one say? Um, but yes, it's um, it's been uh, very good so far. Wow. Well, Scotty, now that we've like wrapped that all up in, in, a, in a pretty bow and a nice package, I'm wondering if maybe we should wrap this particular episode up in, in a bow in a nice package. What do you think? I think, John, that your uh, segues are just top class. Oh, wow. Well, Scotty, if, if people want to tell you about how top class my segues are, where might they do it? I don't want to know. I just really don't want to know. Just, just don't bother. Don't bother. No, no, no. Uh, you can um, uh, you can tell me on Twitter where um, uh, I am Matt Pitnett. And interestingly, I think we uh, we we spoke recently, didn't we, a few episodes ago about um, air tags and you know what we might or may not do with them. And I just think I said uh, um, I uh, I don't really have any uh, any use for them at all. Whereas a friend of the show, Uli Costera told me um he tweeted me this week to say i forgot to let you know that you're always welcome to track me with your air tag so there we are i may not have to get one to track uli and wherever he is because of course that will make my life better i think you should use it to track your dog because otherwise how would you know where 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 your dog is my, my dog is downstairs saying look i get fed at five and it's now five thirty-four, and you've not fed me yet um i'm just going to really annoy the shit out of you until you do <laughs> and John, if people want to uh, want to understand how you can really annoy the shit out of them, or really annoy the shit out of you, how should they do that? Well, you should find me on the place where nothing annoying is ever said and done. That's Twitter, where you'll find me as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. Excellent. Well, John, it's been a pleasure as always for to listen to how you have shipped some amazing features and how I am struggling to get any development done in any sensible way because of my incompetence. <laughs> it's um, it's the, the theme of the show. <laughs> it's the theme of the show. Um, and uh, long may it stay that way. <laughs> So, if you've uh, if you've enjoyed same old same old, thank you for listening. And, um, tune back in for more of the same as soon as you can. And until next time, you take care. 